You're listening to Beyond Your Imagination with Chris Martin, in-depth conversations with dreamers and doers about the 21st century world of independent film. The question at the heart of this conversation was inspired by a moment of brutal truth on a recent job. How does filmmaking change as you get older? As I scrambled to the top of a semi to get the shot, I stood there and thought, I'm not getting any younger. One day, I'm not going to be able to do this. I reached out to two filmmakers I madly respect, Beth Harrington and the angry filmmaker Kelly Baker. We had a fun and engaging conversation about the changing nature of filmmaking as you get older. With over 40 years each into their careers, both continually move forward into the future, telling stories that matter to them, building supportive communities, remaining fiercely independent, and realizing that they are in this pursuit for life. Enjoy the conversation. I'm Beth Harrington. I've been a filmmaker for 40 plus years now. I have always been in a world of art and media. My family was very art oriented. My dad was in advertising. Both my folks went to art school. So that's something that's been like an undercurrent of my life, all my life. So it isn't a huge leap that I became a documentary filmmaker or a filmmaker in general. But uh, I would say that lately I've been looking at my life and looking at the times we're living in and trying to figure out like what about being a documentary filmmaker is different in the time of COVID. And I've kind of finally decided that it's not that different. You know, it's always been a struggle and it's always been uh, required that I be scrappy and get stuff done. And so that's kind of still where I am. So I've been looking at my life lately a lot and thinking, well, how is this any different than before? I am Kelly Baker. I am known as the angry filmmaker. And like Beth, I've been doing this. I just thought about this about a week ago. I've been doing this for 40 plus years. Um, You kind of wake up one morning and you think, you know, what the hell happened? You know, because I, I still, I, you know, I'm 64 and I don't feel it at all. Uh, I still feel like, you know, I'm this young, dumb filmmaker trying to, you know, get something done. And my background, I mean, my family had nothing to do with art. I was always kind of the black sheep. I mean, my father sold used cars and my mother worked in a bank. And so, you know, there's that old saying, everybody wants a Van Gogh in their living room. Nobody wants their kid to be Van Gogh. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I think my poor parents ended up with Van Gogh to a, you know, a certain extent. I mean, I just was not what they were expecting. And, uh, and so, you know, my journey has always been really, really different because I didn't have the background. And, you know, I met people who had the background like Beth. We've been friends for 20 something years, I think. Yeah. But for me, it was just kind of like, you know, in relationship to family, I'm boldly going where, you know, no one in my family ever went. And to end up, I went to USC's film school, which was a total, you know, uh, totally blew my mind back in the day. Uh, And so, like I said, my journey has just, uh, has been, I think, I don't know if it's different than some, I mean, it, it is my journey. And like Beth said, you know, you hit a point, you start looking back and you're thinking about, you know, what you've done or, or where you're going to go. And one of the projects I'm currently working on, 
which I hate to even talk about, but it's a film I shot, did most of the work on 30 years ago, and I'm, I'm editing it now, and I'm looking at the work of this kid, and I'm really critical of myself. It's like, what boy, I didn't know shit back then. <laughs> you know, and now I'm trying to save this thing. And, you know, and maybe I'm being too hard on myself. I mean, I, I, I knew what I was doing, um, but I didn't have the life experience that I have now. Yeah. And so obviously I think the film's going to be a better film now uh, than it would have if I would have finished it 30 years ago. Yeah. What's interesting, thank you both for for sharing just a, a glimpse into your journey because I, I'm kind of, I would say, right in the, the middle for myself where uh, I've recently kind of woken up going, holy shit, it's been 20 years. <laughs> and and so as, yeah. as I think moving forward – I, I notice a shift and I'm curious when the shift happened for you. But recently I was climbing around in a truck documenting like <laughs> Christmas trees moving around mm-hmm. and I'm standing on top of, of the semi shooting down at all these trees coming in. And I literally said in my head, I'm not going to be able to do this one day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just a huge mind shift of, wow, you can still do this, but it changes dr- drastically. When was that moment for you? You know, it's funny. I have feel like I have had those moments, but it's more that I'm trying to figure out when the place is to say, oh yeah, I should stop doing that particular thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a gender thing too, but I've noticed when I'm in the last 10 years of my career, when I go out with crews on various shoots, it's still true, especially when I work, have been working with Oregon Public Broadcasting all these years, that most of the crew are men, and arguably some of them are stronger than me physically. <laughs> <laughs> and I have noticed that there was a point where I was allowed to help move things and always wanted to. As a, as a producer and director, I always felt like you can't be precious about this stuff. I will pick up a case and move it, or I will you know, help with sandbags or whatever it is. Um, And there was a point where people were rushing over to stop me from doing things. (laughs) And that's that's when I started thinking, oh, wait a minute, there's something going on perception wise, where they think I shouldn't be doing this. And then I had to say, well, should I or shouldn't I? (laughs) Because I still go to the gym, I still lift weights, I still work out all the time. I walk a lot. I'm very healthy. It's like, should I be stopping? (laughs) So I still do it. And I have to fight a little bit to do it, you know, some days. But I do understand that there's a point where you look at things and go, well, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be up on that ladder doing that thing. (laughs) You know, only because the consequences are so much different now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When we were younger, we used to bounce. Yeah. You know, when we'd (laughs) fall. And I don't know. Now I think I splat. (laughs) or i crack or something i still don't have that feeling i shouldn't be doing this Mm -hmm. um i like that i work out too and i walk and i try to keep myself in you know decent shape i did notice years ago that uh crews when i'm directing stuff they don't want me um moving stuff around either but as my gaffer explained to me it's a respect issue Right. Uh, so maybe that's what it is with you too, Beth. It's like nah. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, <it's> not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, um, okay. no, no, no. Um, but you know that surprised me too. It's like you don't have to do this because I was always first on set, last to leave. 
Mm-hmm. And anymore, it's been, you know, when we're finished shooting, they were all looking at me like, you know, you can go now. And it's like, well, yeah, but I, I need to be here in case you guys need any help with anything. And they just look at me like, we don't need any help. You know, right. we're good. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I still think I'm doing a lot of the stuff that I used to do with this pandemic going on. Uh, the thing that's interesting for me is, you know, I tour a lot. And I'm on the road mm-hmm. showing my work and all this other stuff. And I'm, I haven't, my last tour was 2017, but I find myself missing the road, but I don't know if I can do the road anymore. And I think that's an aged thing. That gets old. Yeah. Well, yeah. Two months at a time, you know, in the van, yeah. me and the dog. But, you know, it's, I never thought about it in that way. I thought, you know, touring will always be a part of my filmmaker existence. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm realizing now that that's probably going to be the first thing that actually goes. The traveling involved with filmmaking, in your case, also touring, you know, I did a bunch of touring with my last film. And yeah, there is a point where you're just driving yourself places and you're and you're tired and you still have to be on in the destination you're going to. Absolutely. That is gets wearisome. And, you know, I don't know if it's just a question of pacing. I mean, I'm reminded today Today is the birthday of my friend Wanda Jackson, who was in Ooh. one of my music films. Yes. And Wanda is the queen of rockabilly, for those who don't know. And she's 83 today. Oh, and wow. she just retired last year. Yeah. And she'd been on the road since she was 17, now in, in the music business. But most of those years were extremely hard touring. And when I think about like stopping doing what I'm doing, which almost seems out of the question all the time, Mm-hmm. And touring is a part of that, I think. Yeah, but what about Wanda? And Wanda mm-hmm. just quit at, right. at the age of 82. So I think some of it's, you know, what you're willing to do and what, what you're willing to put yourself through because she put, put herself through a lot, you yeah. know. So I, yeah. I think it's an individual choice for, for us. And, but a lot of it's pacing a lot and a lot of it's having some support around yes. you when you do it. Yes, support, absolutely. We've been doing this by ourselves. Kelly, you go, you get in the car and drive by yourself, you know? Right. And I was doing that for what I was doing, and that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, I mean, I traveled with my dog, but they yeah. can't drive. They don't have opposable no. thumbs. No, you know? they can't even go into the burger place and get you a burger. No, but you what can't they can't bring it back. Anyway. I was going to say, but what they <laughs> they can do is they can take questions from the audience because oh, the audience good. always wants to pet the damn dog. Good, you know, they, they could care less about talking to me. So it's like I need sure. a break here. Pet the dog. I'll be back in twenty minutes. <laughs> You'll be fine. That's good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, the whole why should we stop doing? I don't want to stop. You know, I mean, somebody mm-hmm. asked me once, you know, what are you going to do when you retire? And I thought, retire? What an interesting yeah. concept. But I said, you know, if I were to retire, I think I'd write books and uh, make films. Oh, shit. Right. right. I've been retired <laughs> since I was 24. Now. You know? Well, and there were also parts of my career. There were whole years that went by where I was like, oh, I didn't get a lot of work this year. Right. Maybe I am retired. And that was when I was 50, you know? Right. <laughs> so yeah. I may have already retired a long time ago and not known it. This is your second career. You've come back. You know, you've come out of retirement like every good rock and roll musician like does. Yeah, that's right. I'm a share of documentary filmmaking. <laughs> 
Please put that on your website. Yeah. <laughs> I want the I want the uh, Bob Mackie outfit to go with it. There though. we go. <laughs> and soon there's going to be a bunch of Beth impersonators out there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I look yeah. forward to that day. <laughs> I love the idea so much that you don't think about retirement and that you would do this forever because I think for a lot of people, there's that dream of just like, I'll find massive success. I'll have all the money in the bank and then I can just let that go and and do something else. But if you've been at this for over 40 years, it's, it's who you are. Yeah. Well, but the, the other thing though is to find success. Right. You know, because I get that all the time. Are you rich? Oh, hell no. I'm still just getting by <laughs> month to month. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, truly, it wasn't until a few years ago, thank you, you know, to the uh, Obamacare that I had health insurance. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, but in my mind, I've been very successful because for 40 plus years, I've done what I love to do. Right. You know, the financial rewards, certainly, you know, yes, one of these days I'm going to be a big success, you know, hardly. But yeah. every day I get up and I can hardly wait to keep doing what I do. And to Absolutely. me, that's certainly successful after 40 years, you know, even if I don't have, even if I have nothing to show for it, uh, you know, uh, on the outwardly. And that's what people who do more traditional work in the world, you know, have a nine to five job and work towards amassing money, which has never been my goal, right. <laughs> fortunately for me, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the same place you are, Kelly. I, you yeah. know, my income has fluctuated wildly and has never oh, been yeah. great. You yeah. know, even in its heyday, it was never great. <laughs> but, um, you know, heyday True. 20 years ago. Right now, um, absolutely. But I think a lot of people want to do when they retire, kick back, you know, have time to do creative stuff have time to write or paint or make a short film or whatever it is yeah. and travel. Those things have been a part of my life, like you say, for so long that, right. you know, retirement doesn't seem to hold any allure for me because that landscape is already so much a part of my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, meeting people, going places, making things with a, a team, you know, that's been really fun. I think a lot of people want that in retirement and, you know, and Maybe. frankly, it's, it might be too late for some people, you know, it might not happen for them. And I've been mm-hmm. happy too, yeah. that I kind of sees the, Carpe the diem, as there they we say. Go. Well, you know, maybe for us, when we retire, we can go to work at Walmart or something, you know? and have That a could happen, actually. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't you want... go kidding now. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. One of the interesting things, Kelly, you know, there's the question that people like to ask, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self? But I love that you shared that you're actually in a way working with your younger self. Yeah. And so like, w- what are you learning about who you are today as you explore the past? You know, one of the the great things here at my advanced age is life, <laughs> life experience. Uh, I realized doing this documentary that I could have made a very fine, perfectly boring Ken Burns kind of movie 30 (laughs) years ago, uh, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the life experience to really make the movie that needs to be made. 
the advice that I give to other filmmakers, especially younger ones, and to myself is, first off, cut off that safety net. Get rid of it. If you have a plan B, you're going to go to it when things get hard. Get rid of that plan. I mean, if this is really what you want to do, you go full force. Go, you know, go big or go home. And devote yourself to it. I mean, really, really learn all the stuff that you need to and, you know, experiment, but work your ass off. Because I feel like I've worked my ass off, you know, my entire career, not just as a filmmaker, but as a sound designer, as an editor, you know, doing all the stuff within the business. And I've had amazing experiences and I've learned life lessons and, you know, I have stories to tell. Yeah. And that's, I think, my advice uh, to most people is go out and live. Do, you know, and don't wait to, you mm-hmm. know, to pursue, I need to make X amount of dollars before I can go do this, do this. Screw that. Throw caution to the wind. Now, you're looking <laughs> at a guy who's, you know, lost his house and, I mean, all this other shit over the years, but <laughs> no regrets. I did what I wanted to do. I did what I felt like I needed to do. Right. Yes. And I would do it again. You know, except for that one night in Mexico, but we're not even going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Darn it. That was the next question I had. (laughs) Uh, You know, I still, I'm with the gag order. Can't do it. Beth, what about you? Me? Yeah. Um, Tell us about that night in Mexico, Beth. You know, what happened in Mexico stays in Mexico. Absolutely. That's right. And And in the court system. But that's as far as I'm going. There we go. There we go. We'll never speak of this again. Yes. Um, (laughs) Oh, you wait. (laughs) The tell-all is coming. I would agree with everything that Kelly says, especially the go big or go home part, because you just have to be all in or, you know, you might as well hang it up because there's no half measures with this lifestyle or this kind of work. I would also say to my younger self that I feel like I was too obedient to the hierarchy coming up mm-hmm. and and a lot of that you know things were very different you couldn't as a you know 30 year old filmmaker i couldn't put my hands on a cheap camera that i could operate all by myself and go out and start making my own little films and edit them on a laptop that mm-hmm. of course was not an option so i had to be part of a bigger system and as a young woman filmmaker Uh, you know, I kind of bided my time and waited for my moment and, you know, certainly tried to prove myself. Mm -hmm. But I could have used a sharper elbow, I think, when I was younger. (laughs) You know, like, I have as much right to be here as anybody. And I got something to say. And eventually, I did get to say it. But I think there were a number of years, I certainly learned things. And I certainly picked up on stuff. But I didn't demand credits I should have had. I didn't, you know, make my way to the front of the line, you know, mm-hmm. and that I think is partly being a woman of a certain generation and what was possible at the time. Some of the stuff just wasn't possible. <laughs> sure. Um, absolutely. But I would tell myself to be a little more aggressive. I don't regret any of it. I did, like I say, I did learn a lot on the way. I could have just been doing more, you know, mm-hmm. more sooner. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but that's a minor you know, minor regret in a career that has let me, you know, I've been able to do the things I wanted to do largely. And that felt really good. Well, and I love too, that you mentioned, you know, you wish you would have been a little bit more aggressive because when I, when I see the 
what you're doing now, it's like you are serving that example to people today through what you do and how you keep pushing for your vision and bringing it to life. And I think what you wish you were in the past, you actually are now. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with Chris on that one. Well, thank you. I mean, I feel like the joy of being an independent filmmaker, Mm -hmm. I've always stayed a little bit in the public television world, some of it a lot in the public television world, and then less so, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I've been, as an independent, I've been able to work on my own terms. And that has a downside, which is, it's it's me, it's all me. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's allowed me to say, I'm running the show. And if you don't like it, then move on. (laughs) And mostly people seem happy to be part of the show that I'm running. You know, it's, I feel good about that. That's really interesting, Beth, just in terms of, you know, pushing for what you want, being an example. And, and I think just, I think telling the stories that matter to you, I think is, is a connection there as well. All of us, you know, I know Kelly is doing this as well. And we've done this over the years that you tell a story that you think needs to be told. And often mm-hmm. the pushback you get is, why would anybody care about that story? It's never been told. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, yeah, that's kind of why I want to tell a story, you know? Yeah. And so that's always been a hurdle for any independent filmmaker, I think. And because I want to tell stories, have told a lot of stories about women, um, women musicians and whatnot, or under, you know, underrepresented people, there's been more of a push there that I've had to make about, well, yeah, there's a reason nobody's told the story and here's why it's cool. And having to advocate for your own point of view has been tricky. And often it means the powers that be don't always support that. They don't always give you the money you want and make, you know, expedite what you're trying to do. So that's where the being committed to your vision comes in because you have to figure out a way to do it, whether the marketplace thinks it's viable or not. And ironically, once you make it, the marketplace usually goes, oh, this is great. (laughs) Why hasn't somebody done this sooner? (laughs) 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 And and what you have to say too is, you know, the funding is the stuff that always never seems to show up. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're killing yourself trying to get these things made and you can only ask for so many favors. I think I'm, you know, way overdrawn in the favor bank. Um, because, well, because the money doesn't care. You paid it forward many times. You paid it forward many times. I'm going to interrupt there. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. We're, we're the mutual admiration society. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> but and it's, it's true. It is funny, Chris. Yeah, because uh, you know Beth and I are like I like to think I'm one of her biggest cheerleaders, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I love the work that she does. Likewise, we have been each other's fan club for a long time. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and every now and again, we will get together and have too much alcohol and just say, "Why the fuck are we doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> but I think that brings a really good example, though, of what you need over time to really make it you need as you mentioned earlier support not only support of the people to watch your work but the support of fellow filmmakers Mm -hmm. and that always doesn't come Uh, sometimes it can be people can be really competitive in this business simply sometimes people don't want to help 
Uh, you know, and then there you meet those people who just bend over backwards for you. So you never know who it's going to be. You never know when it's going to be. Um, but you try to be the best person you can. And hopefully when you need it, you know, somebody shows up. Right. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And I feel like you build the community that understands that you where you're coming from, that you want, that you yes. build the one you, you need. And that involves doing things for other people. Yep. That's why when Kelly is being coy about, you know, I want to tell a little anecdote on Kelly. Oh, that, um, years, <laughs> years ago, he, I thought he was kidding. I thought he was kidding. He did some favors for me on my film, Welcome to the Club, The Women of Rockabilly. And he told me, I'm going to do this for you, but don't tell people I did this or whatever, you know. <laughs> when the premiere in Portland happened, I got up and I had a thank you list and I thanked a bunch of people publicly besides what the credit said. And I said, and I really want to thank Kelly Baker. And I don't think I said much more than that. And he came up to me afterwards and I said, I told you not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, he's like ridiculously quiet about his filmic philanthropy and support. But the other half of the coin with that, and I, and I, I want to defend myself for a moment, um, <laughs> because at the time, you know, I had my own studio, I had gear, I had all sorts of stuff, and I was always getting hit on by people <laughs> I didn't even know who uh -huh, wanted to come right. in and use my stuff and use my, you yeah. know, and on and on and on. And so yeah. my, you know, it was a defensive mechanism for me to tell everybody <laughs> who I helped. Absolutely. It's like, don't publicize it, please. Don't let, you know, you're my friend. I'll do anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't want all of these other people coming to me say, well, you help them. And it's like, I don't even know you. Right, right. <laughs> and there was a time when, for me anyway, it, it felt like a, you know it was really, really bad that I was getting bothered a lot trying to do my own stuff. And why won't you help me? Uh, oh, you know? yeah. and, and so, you know, I mean, that was a long time, time ago. Nobody ever calls me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I need a favor. No. Yeah. <laughs> What I, what I love about that story, too, though, is there's the idea that when you're younger, you have a lot of maybe shallow relationships around you. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, your relationships either tighten up or they just drop away. Mm -hmm. And right. I think it's so powerful to show the example of what that powerful relationship looks like that lasts time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say this. It's our relationship. I'm going to tell another story on Kelly. <laughs> our relationship started on a very weird footing where I was moving to the Portland area for love <laughs> to be with my now husband, Andy Lockhart. And I had just finished a document, uh, sort of a hybrid documentary. There was a personal documentary about something that happened to me. And Which I, I had love. looked around. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I, I looked around and tried to see who in Portland was doing kind of similar work. And I f fell upon, you know, Kelly Baker and these films that he would, had put himself in. And I thought, oh, here's a kindred spirit. And so I found his phone number and I called him up and I, and I was still in Boston. And I said, hey, hi, Kelly. It's, my name is Beth Harrington. And, it, and he just went, I don't have a job for you. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm calling to be friends. And he went, friends? <laughs> <laughs> what? And this is how it gets the rep of the an angry filmmaker, by the way. <laughs> we ended up having a really funny conversation, and he invited me out for coffee when I came to Portland. And that was the beginning of our friendship. But it was yeah. a very funny, like, 
what? You know, very curmudgeonly Kelly Baker. Like, I, what, are you, what are you calling me for? I'm going to be friends. <laughs> See, but nobody ever did that. I mean, it was like you and John DeGraff, you know, ended up being, you know, like I said, really close friends, really valued friends. But uh, like I said, there was a time, and I was, I think, a lot more public at a certain point mm-hmm. in my life because I was doing a lot of work with Gus Van Sant and some other people. And so, like I said, I, I felt like I was getting badgered, but Beth turned out to be a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and like I said, I mean, 25, 25, how, how long have you been here? You and Andy have been married for a I long time. I just hit my 24th anniversary, October 12th here okay. in the yeah. Yeah. Well, we're so, glad to have you in the Northwest. Oh, Thank hell you. yes. I'm, hell yes. <laughs> I've lived in the Northwest longer than I've lived in Boston, which is weird. You know, yeah. I mean, I in in the city of Boston, I grew up in the suburbs, but um, yeah, it's the place I've lived the longest in my life now. Oh, and you haven't lost your accent. So they've certainly tried to drive it out of me, but it's definitely yeah. <laughs> in there. Don't let them. Um, well, they, in college, they tried to, I wanted to be on the radio, and I was eventually. <laughs> right. They tried to make me lose the accent for the radio at the time, because that wasn't done then, you know? Yeah. It had to sound like uh, Walter Cronkite or something. Well, and you you had a rock and roll career, too. I did. And yeah. that has certainly served me well, as my hearing attests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you touch on a really important topic, though, of of how to build relationships. And I, and I love that you just called Kelly to be friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's such an understated thing to do even today. Just reach out to people and just to be friends with them. Like, mm-hmm. just to get to know them, just to not to get anything, but just to get to know them. And I think that's so powerful. I'm afraid to say I don't think it happens all that often anymore. I mean, I do feel like people want to contact others, you know, they, they usually want something or they have, you know, maybe that's, that's my get off my lawn, cynical, angry filmmaker thing. But I think, <laughs> but, but I do believe that, you know, you'll, you meet certain people and you realize that the friendship is genuine. And, mm. you know, unfortunately, that's in the minority of the friendships that we have. And so much of it is, what can you do for me? I agree with that. And I, th- I also think that there's, been an unfortunate mythologizing of independent filmmaking that would could probably be its own podcast, um, <laughs> but or maybe an encyclopedia of stuff. But right. Yes. I think that there's been this encouragement of the transactional, right? Like mm, get yes. your film made at all costs, and that means just getting what you need from whoever it is. That's why you got those obnoxious phone calls from people yes. saying, I want you to give this to me. It's like, I don't even know you, right. you know, right. get off right. my lawn. But if you've built community, if you've proven yourself, you know, it doesn't have to be tit for tat, but it, if you told me pay it forward in, in effect, when you did me favors and, and, huh. and I have tried to do that over the years. Oh, absolutely. You have, you get a reputation for being the person who will do that. And then you built the community that you want when you need it. I don't think a lot of people understand that. And I think part of that, we're living in this age now enhanced by or or exacerbated by COVID, where interpersonal real life, sit down and have coffee relationships Mm -hmm. are really getting buffeted about, you're not really able to do that as much. And you it was on the wane before COVID hit. So if I'm going to give advice to people, I would say, you know, work on building that that community and the successful independent filmmakers I know now that are younger than me are doing that they're building Mm -hmm. community they have their own 
cooperative, collective sort of approach to making films. And they get stuff done because they're all working for each other. If someone asks me for a favor and it's someone I know within the community who is doing things for other people, I'm much more likely to help them out. Exactly. Then, especially if it's somebody from out of town or this or that, you know, I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it does. You you pay it forward, even with just being a nice person. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, do, it doesn't have to be favor, you know, kind of a thing. And, you know, sometimes when we hear about other people's struggles, I've, you know, there's a couple of filmmakers that, you know, I love their work and they've had some real struggles. And, you know, and I've said, sincerely, if you need anything, let me know. It's like, I can't come up with money, but I can come up with other things. I can help you with things, you know, because I like their work. I respect their work and I can see that they're struggling. They don't have to ask me. Mm-hmm. You know, I will volunteer uh, for the for the folks that I believe in, you know, even when they're younger than I am. I mean, the ones that I don't know so well, if I've seen their work and respect their work. What you're talking about is is intriguing me because I, if you rewinded back to when you were starting, did you have this mentality then? Or is this something that you grew into and really embraced as you helped each other out? You know, for me, there are two parts. One is I had already been in the world of music when I more seriously pursued filmmaking. And I knew that in music, nobody was making any money. And we were all <laughs> doing each other's projects because that's what we did. We were going to make records and we were going to do live performances and we we're going to have big shows. And that was all about collaboration and cooperation. And then as I got more serious about my filmmaking career, which kind of came on the heels of leaving this one rock and roll band, I joined Women in Film, and this is back in Boston. And that was a really burgeoning organization with an amazing group of women who were scrappily figuring out how to do things, combined (laughs) with some people who were actually in the structure of the WGBH public television world. And so... I quickly realized that, you know, and it wasn't particularly like sisterhood is powerful or anything. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like very overtly feminist, but it was certainly a group of women that were doing things that I wanted to do and I could see them doing them. And I, I could go to them and figure out, you know, ask advice and figure out how to get things done. And so I think the combination of like the crazy scrappy world of music and the crazy scrappy world of film in those days in Boston. And Boston had a very kind of cohesive indie-ish, certainly music and also film subculture, I guess. That made it for me easier to figure out how to build my own little community out of that. And for me, it was the totally opposite. When I started this and when I started doing this stuff, filmmaker was not an occupation. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, people didn't do that. And when I remember telling my parents, my poor parents, (laughs) uh, you know, I'm moving to L.A. and going to film school. uh, They went nuts, you know, because nobody does that. You know, and I went I was in uh, L.A. for five years and, you know, got bit by the um, independent bug. And realized that if I stayed in LA, I would just be a cog in a giant machine. And so I came back to Portland and there was an old guard here. There were some people who were making a living, industrials and, you know, those kinds of things, commercials and that kind of stuff. And for the first couple of years, I did not feel welcome at all. 
I really had to scrape and, you know, I got hired by one of the filmmakers here who was doing a feature, you know, and the only reason I think that they brought me in at that point was <laughs> they needed my skills. But all these people used to say, you know, well, you're from LA. What are you doing, you know, here? And it's like, I'm not from LA. I'm from here. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, was educated down there, <laughs> you know, and, and have come back. Um, and I felt a lot of doors closing on me and I really felt, and there was nobody I could turn to. I mean, I really felt that. And if I would meet people who I thought we have a lot in common, well, they'd already be part of some little group. And apparently there was no room. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I spent a lot of years just struggling to find people to talk to. And I kept in touch with my friends in L.A. I mean, it's why, you know, for years and years and years, I was bouncing back and forth between here and L.A. because I would get more work out of L.A. I'd have to come to go down there, you know, and come back up. And it's like I've got these L.A. credits, but nobody wants to hire me here. You know, I mean, yeah. so it became a real because I've always had to support myself. You know, no trust fund, no, you know, it's, I've always had to work. And if I can't work, I can't pay bills, obviously. So for me, like I said, now I, I hope that Portland is changing, uh, you know, because that was the Portland of 35, 40 years ago. Right. But, you know, like I said, at the time, I just, I, I did not feel welcome. And for years, I feel like, you know, I did not feel a part of the Portland film community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even 24 years ago, I felt like, it was kind of provincial and, and a little zero sum game. Kind of. Which, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> even 10 years beyond that. Right. Right. Oh yeah. I think it's a byproduct of, you know, there's only so much work and especially in those days, it goes back to what yeah. I was saying about how, what film was actually like then. I mean, one of the yeah. reasons I didn't pursue filmmaking um, I had a communications degree, but when I went to college, nobody told me independent filmmaking was <laughs> the only, you know, the only two right. independent filmmakers I knew about were Andy Warhol and John Cassavetes. Right. And right. I didn't really know anybody that was going off and making films until the early eighties. I started going, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, you could do that. Yeah. Huh. I wonder what that would look like. And that was in Boston where arguably there were more resources. But even when I came to Portland, I agree that there was a sort of you're not from here kind of thing. I attribute that to just being there was just only so much work. And they did not want to share. And no yeah, people want to share, sure. Sure. I got mine. It's really interesting because the the world of, you know, thirty five, forty years ago that you're describing, if the pendulum was there then it has entirely shifted it seems all the way to the other side of now filmmaker is you know like people are coming out of the womb with an iphone in their Absolutely. hand thinking that they're a documentary filmmaker yeah. cinema verite down down their mom's uh, <laughs> you know what you know but you know it it <laughs> it speaks to this idea of if everyone is a filmmaker, what does it mean to be a filmmaker? And I remember, you know, early on in my career, going to the party and people saying, what do you do for a living? And saying, oh, I'm a <laughs> filmmaker. And people going, oh, wow. Tell me about that. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Please don't tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. The problem with you know the the last parties when we were able to go and you know be social, you would say people say what are you doing? And you say well, I'm a filmmaker, and it's oh, really so am I, you know. Right. And then uh, I I went to a party one night and I was so sick and tired of all that stuff. I kept telling everybody I was a truck driver, which is one of the <laughs> things you know I worked my way through college driving a beer uh -huh. truck. Of course, uh -huh. nobody would talk to me. 
It was great. Right. I mean, it was one of the most peaceful because, you know, they were all trying to meet people and move up the ladder. And also, right. and I was there with a friend of mine who kept telling me, you know, laughing and saying, you are really awful. I'm saying, yeah, but everybody's buying it. So I'm good here. Can I get another beer? You know, because <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I wasn't in the mood. And when I go out, the last thing for the most part I want to talk about is movies or mm-hmm. work. Right. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's you want to go out with your friends and, you know, Beth and I can talk about music. We can talk. We can gossip. We can talk yeah. about all sorts of, remember <laughs> that we, we left that party that one night. And what was it? All those protesters came storming past us. It they, was, and, the, um, yeah, the Northwest Film Center party. We left right. and went down for the to the Japanese place and drank beer <laughs> while people were like rioting in the streets because it was not. It was four years ago. It was after. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was Trump after that. What's yeah. His, yeah, yeah. But I just remember yeah. you and I suddenly coming around this corner and there's all these people marching towards us and there's cops everywhere and stuff. And it's like, okay, we better go down here and get a drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get yeah. off the streets here just in case. Yeah. That was a good decision. <laughs> that's always a good decision. Absolutely. Part of my problem here, and this gets down to because I do some teaching too, is that everybody wants to call themselves a filmmaker. And I was probably doing this stuff for 10 years before I ever used that term for myself. Ah, uh, I am with you. I you know, I mean, it's you. Just, you don't just become this. I'm you, with you. You have to work, you have to learn, you have to earn it. Yeah. And I think more and more people don't want to take the time to really learn the craft because filmmaking is a craft, be it digital, be it, you know, because yeah, they're coming out with their iPhones and they're doing all this other stuff. But it's like, where's the lighting? Where's the art? Where's the performance? If you're doing dramatic stuff, Uh, you know, they're, they're shooting a lot of stuff and, you know, sometimes there's some good stuff, but there's just so much bad stuff. And yet people just throw that term around filmmaker and man, out of respect of the other people that I knew, who were filmmakers, I would never use that term. And like I said, I probably made five or six films by the time I finally said, yeah, I guess I am a filmmaker. I agree. It took me forever to, to really own it. And, yeah. and it was because I felt like I was green. I, yeah. I, I didn't know everything there was to know. And I, I had made a little film and I, you know, yay, but I wasn't going <laughs> to go around and advertise myself as a filmmaker at that point. It yeah. did take a while. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think what, what, you know, what's happened is that in the current media culture, you know, you have to brand yourself and you have to say, say <laughs> right. you know, I'm, I'm a perfume designer and a filmmaker and a supermodel. And, uh, you know, people are pushed into defining themselves those ways and mm-hmm. often with not a lot behind it. Right. And it's because there is a craft to what we do. And there's art and there's, I mean, there's so much stuff to it. And, you know, what I, I want to get a job like as an influencer. What the fuck is that? Isn't that great? <laughs> you know, and I want people to sponsor me and give me my, you know, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm bad too, because I still get people who want to write for my website. And I know it's just, you know, it's drivel, it's content, it's, you know, it's all this other shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm always saying, no, it's like, we'll give you these articles for free. I don't want them. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who come to my site, expect mm-hmm. a certain thing, they expect a certain attitude, but it's like, I don't sell or give away my email lists. I don't let other people post shit, you know, on my site. And there's no advertising except for mm-hmm. me, of course, but you mm-hmm. know, but I mean, it's, 
people are too willing to give stuff away or to mm -hmm. they want looks they want you know if we get into the whole media thing everybody wants information and uh, you know i try really hard to one give out you know my own information but not to take other people's as far as or allow other people to use my site in any way well i think that's a really good point of there's information and then there's action yeah. So like as a, as a teacher, Kelly, you're like, here is all the information you need to be successful. And yet how, what's the percentage of people who actually act upon it and, and do something with that? Tiny. Right. I mean, you know, when I used to teach, you know, when I teach production classes, I mean, I can sit in a room for about an hour talking to people and I can tell you who's still going to be doing this in, in two years and who's still going to be doing this in five years or 10 yeah. Yeah. and the numbers just keep getting smaller and smaller. Everybody, sure. you know, people don't realize how hard it is mm -hmm. that what we do. I mean, you know, I probably shaved 10 years off of my life just from all the overnighters I've had to pull to make a devil, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, really, but it's just like we work hard and it's kind of like, you know, and, and our deadlines are hard and fast, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I can't, when I was doing some television work, even features, you know, I can't call up Columbia pictures and say, you know, that movie that's coming out in a couple of weeks that I'm doing the sound design on, <laughs> well, can you push it back? Right. You know, I'm, right. I, we had some stuff going on with my family and, you know, I mean, that doesn't happen. You know, right. it's, you're up for the next seven days straight and you deliver this thing. And if it's not good, you hear about it. Absolutely. You know, and so I think a lot of people don't want to put in the work that we do. They think this is fun. This is, you know, and I had a student once who we did this uh, exercise. We shot all this stuff and we're done. And I was telling everyone, okay, put all the gear away now. You got to pack it all up and we're going to go. And this one per young person, I'll say, um, says, so are, how did we do? And I said, okay. I said, well, are you going to compliment us? <laughs> and I said, for what? <laughs> and just, you know, for getting this done. And I said, no, I expected you to get it done. You have met expectations. Now, right. if you had gotten, you know, if you'd cured cancer while we were doing this, of course I'm going to compliment <laughs> you. Right. And documented but, uh, it. Right, right. right. You know, yeah, right. but I mean, so everybody wants to know what a great job they've done when they're just doing their job. And, right. and I, I'm just not on board with that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I often get people who come to me and they pick your brain. Well, <laughs> Kelly and I could go on about this one. I will try to keep this short. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I want to talk to you. I want to pick your brain. It's like, right. mm, you know, how many yeah. times has my brain been picked? I apologize. I've picked your brain before. <laughs> You're uh, the, the example that Kelly was saying, you know, yeah. the two-year, five-year beyond. You're the, the beyond person. Yeah. Um, but, and we knew that about you, too. Of course. <laughs> it's interesting because the pick your brain conversations often are just like people wanting reassurance that it's not mm -hmm. as hard as it seems. And right. it's like, no, no, actually, it <laughs> is that hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it is that thankless and it is that unlucrative. And it is, it's right. all of those things. It's also gloriously fun. And when it's, when it's great, it's great. It's satisfying. There's so much about my film life that has enriched my personal life, including yep. I met my husband that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's just so much great stuff. A lot for me is about the human interaction, how many amazing people I've met, how many great relationships have moved past right. the film into my, you know, 
today's Wanda Jackson's birthday. I, I, Wanda and I talked the other day, you know, that was mm-hmm. 20 years ago that I made that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's just great stuff about the career that I do believe is appealing. And mm-hmm. I don't want to deny that it exists because I think sometimes I tend to just moan and groan. But the other piece <laughs> of it is that it is really hard and, and you can't, reassure somebody that they're going to make money. And people often say to me, how do I do what you do? And right. I always say, what is it you think I'm doing? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's a great question. Tell, tell me what you think I'm doing, and then yeah. we can address that. Yeah, I had a, an instructor uh, who used to have a close friend of mine who taught at uh, Columbia in Chicago, and she used to say, all of my students want to be you. And mm-hmm. my response to her was always, your students would absolutely freak out if they knew what it takes to be me. Right. They wouldn't want that. You know, because we do make sacrifices. But as, mm-hmm. as Beth says, you know, my life has been so enriched by the people, you know, and the experiences I've had. You know, I have done things that, you know, most of my contemporaries never even thought of doing. Or, you know, I've worked with some most amazing people in this business. And I'm mm-hmm. grateful for all that. And I still get humbled, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm around people whose work I admire and respect. You both mentioned the the relationships that you've built over the years. Is that how you would think about your legacy as you move forward? I don't think about a legacy at all. I keep moving forward. You know, I have a lot of work I want to create. I'm writing a lot more. I'm doing short stories. I'm doing all sorts of other stuff. You know, I, I and I can honestly say I don't think about a legacy at all. I think I need to get this next book done. I need to make this next film. I need to make uh, I. You know, I, I've got a pretty good career of not, I've made you know, a habit of not looking backwards and not thinking about those kind of things. I'm with you on the moving forward completely. Like I, yeah. I've got three projects in d- different stages. I did my first virtual film shoot on Sunday oh, cool. in upstate New York. <laughs> I was I was the great and powerful Oz on the <laughs> laptop, you know interviewing somebody with the you know out in the middle of outside because i didn't want the camera person to be endangered so you know i still feel like there's stuff i i I totally agree with kelly stuff i'm doing stuff i want to do i it drives me crazy that there's this sort of arbitrary sense of i've hit a certain age i'm supposed to be winding down because i don't feel that when when nature tells me i'm winding down that's when i want to wind down but it's not happening now i'm perfectly healthy and active and busy and, you know, but I will say the only thing about legacy that I've considered is what the F to do with my media. I've Mm. started to think, and a lot of it doesn't mean much to anybody. You know, I have a master tape. I've got to figure out where to put these masters, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Just uh, last year, I started looking through my two history-based music movies and saying, oh, shit, I've got stuff here of people who are gone. I've mm-hmm. got stuff here, you know, that's close to the last interview this person did. This needs to go somewhere. So I've, I've actually started trying to figure out where to put media. I sent a bunch of stuff to an archives in Tennessee with all my Carter family mm-hmm. media because it's near where the Carter family lived. It's part of a school that has a roots music program. And so I just sent that stuff off and housed it and, you know, did all the paperwork and everything. So to the extent that I think about legacy, I think about that. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I just hope that people, you know, somehow some of the stuff 
remains in especially the stuff about history at a time when I think we need a better grasp of history in all of its nuances. I'm just hoping I can figure out a place to put the media that tells those historical stories. I guess I'm lucky in that. You know, my poor, long-suffering daughter will have to deal with all that stuff when I'm gone. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I don't, I don't have kids, so if anybody's going to do this, it's got to be me, unfortunately. Well, you know, I think Fiona would volunteer because for you, too, because you know, she loves oh, your work, too. Oh, yeah. Fiona, I'm, I'm sure Fiona wants to deal with my so-called estate. That's right. <laughs> well, remember, that I, it was uh, when she first saw Welcome to the Club, I think you ended up, and I found it, you gave her, I think, her own copy of VHS. Oh, wow. Because she loved the film so much, and you signed a VHS copy and gave it to her. Well, well, I'd have to give her a DVD then, at least. Right. (laughs) It's time to update her. Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, fortunately, she and her husband have a VHS machine still. Yeah, yeah, well, because I've got all the old Rocky and Bullwinkle tapes on that oh you know yes there we go those are going to come in handy because you have a grandchild i have a granddaughter now eight months old who needs to know rocky and bullwinkle of course yeah we all need rocky and bullwinkle uh now more than ever (laughs) well kelly beth this has exceeded my expectations of conversation today i feel enriched with your wisdom and inspired to keep moving forward thank you both so much hey, wait a minute oh, wait a minute you. you're not, not going to promote our websites or anything come on dude <laughs> <laughs> we're independent filmmakers we got to make a living oh my have God. you uh, chris have you learned nothing over this last hour <laughs> i've learned so much apparently i missed that memo <laughs> kelly tell us about your website <laughs> That's funny you should ask. (laughs) Uh, My website is angryfilmmaker.com, and that's where people can buy my movies, my books. Uh, Hopefully a fifth book is coming out before Christmas. Uh, New collection of short stories. All my stuff's there. And Beth, what about you? Mine's bethharrington.com. Pretty simple. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. I I will definitely say that Road Dog Kelly is yeah. one of my favorite like road books. Oh, thank I, you. I I thoroughly enjoyed reading that book. So oh. I I highly recommend people check that book out and what of everything else you have to offer. Thank you so much. That that actually means a lot that you like the book. Well, thank you both again. This has exceeded my expectations, and I hope everyone listening to this will check out your websites. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> and really just take inspiration in what you're doing beyond just that glorious feeling of inspiration and do something with it. Thank you for listening to Beyond Your Imagination with Chris Martin. Head to byi.show to learn more about today's guests, including their bios and links to their websites and filmographies. You'll also find complete transcripts of every episode. Until next time, may your action always be greater than your inspiration as you build worlds beyond your imagination.